0: welcome to the commit podcast my name is enda McNulty from McNulty performance i'm really excited to speak about peak performance giving you an understanding of peak performance in business in sport in aviation or performance arts this week we're incredibly excited to have luke Fitzgerald on the commit podcast luke is a household name for his time as a leinster an ireland and alliance player he's going to give us a really interesting insight to peak performance And in particular to speak about how to empty your mind, be calm, and get into that performance zone. You had some unique characteristics, Luki, as a player. And one of the unique characteristics for me was... Your curiosity. You were curious to explore different areas than anybody had explored before, maybe in Ireland rugby, maybe in Leinster. And one of the things that I really appreciated about you was you would listen to your dad and to your mum. Obviously, those were very esteemed players, whether it was in netball or basketball, your dad is a rugby player. And you were curious to explore maybe areas different than the status quo. Can you talk us through that, please?
1: Do you know, I, I don't know if it was necessarily challenging the status quo. What I was really, what I really always tried to do was I tried to be the complete rugby player. To my detriment at times, I would think. Um, you know, uh, the, the longer I went in my career, and probably we'll touch on that a little bit later on as well, and maybe in terms of the mindset, I won't cover that part of it. But I'd say I probably tried to be a bit too round at times, rather than focus on what I was really good at. And I always, I look at some guys and you say, you should always be trying to, to you know, add these bits to your game. But until they're really bedded in, especially playing top level stuff, um, until you're really confident and calm about delivering on those things, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't try. It's an, maybe a negative point point of view. Um, but because uh, I would I, look, I don't think it is. Generally, my view on it was yes. You got to do all the practice, all the practice, all the practice until you're comfortable. Until you're doing it all the time and training and delivering on it then go for it. But I probably was trying things in training. i say, oh, you know, I need to be good at that. I need to be good at this. And I'm trying maybe a little bit. And then I tried it in a game. And for the early parts of my career, I definitely suffered a little bit off the back of that, rather than just saying, Do you know what? I'm really good at that. Like, I'm really good at running with the ball. It took, and it's funny you mentioned my mum. She would never get much of a mention in terms of advice. And I probably underestimate that side of things. But I remember her just saying to me, you know, it was late in my career. And I suppose we, you know, in the family would say, Do you know what? I feel like we're, you know you're way better than what you're showing out there. Would you ever just get the ball and run with it, run it and score a try? And I said, <laughs> no one's ever been that you know, no one's ever simplified it that much for me. But it was funny, like it, that was a real help for me. Like uh, towards the for towards I'd say the second half of my career. Now it was very injury prone in that period, but I actually played really good rugby, and I actually was like I did the things that I was way better at doing. Um, you know just beating players that was what was there on the pitch for us to beat guys I mean you have like your, your unbelievable athletes your Jamie Heaslips your Shawnee O'Briens, but they're supposed to be running into th- doing the hard yards and they're supposed to be in all the rooks. remember that you're in too many rooks. what do you do like that's not your job like if you have to get one, one that's close to you get it. but you're looking for them from all, from all over the place um, and you know you want to be game you want to be up for all those things but I actually realised like do you know what those guys are actually doing all that hard work they're relying on me to be scoring tries, to be making a break somewhere, to get them to go forward, to make their job easier. And it took me a long time to realise that because I was so focused on trying to deliver everything all the time. And
0: your curiosity, Luke, led you down a pathway to develop not only your skills in terms of your footwork skills or your rugby skills, but your mental skills. And I really admired about you, Luke, that on a continual basis, you would seek coaching and feedback and input on your mental skills, whether it was your concentration, whether it was your confidence, or whether it was your composure. And on an ongoing basis, you would come to me curious and ambitious. How do I improve this? and integrated into my skill training on the pitch. And again, I thought that was pretty cutting edge at that time, way back 10 years ago or nine years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, I, I suppose it takes, you know, there was probably some, some aspects of, of of me when I was uh, a schoolboy player, where I was probably a, a good bit ahead physically, you know, balance-wise, footwork-wise. But I never really had, you know, an outstanding top-end pace. You look at some guys, it's so easy for them, and and they never really figure out that, when you go to the next level, everyone's that quick. Do you know, there's only a few guys. You have Brian Abanas, you know, a few out saying, you look at a, a, you know, uh, a May at the moment for England. You look at, I don't know, a few, there's a few, few people who are outstanding athletes. But for the most part, that's an even playing field where I felt I could get an edge. And you know, I figured, th- this is one thing I did figure out probably earlier than, than most, um, even than some of the established guys in Leinster and that was that mentally, that was where I was like, I need to get an edge there. Like I said, I know I have the footwork thing. I think I'll probably have that maybe still at the top level. But it's tighter. It gets tighter when you're with Brian O'Driscoll, you're with Gordon Darcy. They've got pretty good footwork too, Enda. <laughs> so uh, you have to say, geez, how can I get an edge in these guys? I want to be better than these, than these fellas. I want to be able to compete with them. Um, and that was where I decided that, do you know what, I think no one's actually doing that. I don't think people in rugby have kind of discounted that. They said, oh, you know, that's kind of witchcraft or that's kind of stuff for people who are softies. You know, everyone, but, but like you look at it now and you look at how finely tuned the Irish team, are. you'll know that from being inside the camp um, in Leinster, how, how finely tuned even all the young guys and the emphasis that it's placed on that. And I think that's why we see in Irish rugby that we've been operating at a really high level for a long time is because there's been been a change in attitudes, and I think you would have been a big part of that, and it was great, and, and actually, you know, funnily enough, I'd say we both probably had a bit of a part to play in that and that, you know, you know, we, we started off our journey together, but lots of people were asking me, oh, what are you doing, why are you writing stuff in a pad before the games, what have you got these little, you know, how, I remember I had these little dog tags with little reminders about things and, reinforced, you know, just a few little ideas to reinforce how I, you know, going on the pitch. Belief in myself and belief in things I wanted to achieve in each game and what I how I wanted to affect each game.
0: We have to talk about the adversity that you went through as a player, Mm. the injuries look, and the continual bouncing back from that. And it's another one of the reasons why I really admire you. You've got a series of very significant career-threatening injuries, but yet you kept coming back to the rehab. You kept coming back to almost reinvent yourself as a player, even if your footwork wasn't just as good or even if your shoulder wasn't just as strong. And I've admired your resilience through that journey. Can you talk our listeners through just how much that's impacted you and how you had the resolve to go back one more time each time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's only when I really look back on my career, you know, when you're kind of you're 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 on the journey. It kind of just feels like part of it. But definitely, you know, there was definitely a refocus. Uh, I definitely was I definitely also spent a bit of time in the grieving process, which it kind of is. It sounds terrible, you know, because obviously. You know, you talk about grieving, you're probably talking about someone passing away. And, you know, at times you look at some rugby guys and they all are, are guys from, from any other sports or girls from any other sports. It's it's a huge thing. You know, you you're give so much, you you know, you're eating well, you're sleeping well, you're missing, you know, friends and family events for, you know, to, to try and achieve these goals that you've set for sports. Um, and it is almost, there is a grieving process. I was good at that. I was able to say, Do you know what, I'm, you know, I'm upset here. I'm upset. And take a few days. But then I was really good at making sure that I had you know I was able to refocus I was able to take the first step and the first step is always the hardest one to take when you've taken a setback whether it be in your work life whether it be in your personal life wherever it may be the first step I always say plot the course back from the first step so I think that was what I was really good at I was really good at saying okay this has happened can we fix it okay we can fix it once we've done that that's the first step out of the way we get that done right how how, how do we how do we start getting back to where we want to get to Plot, plot to where you want to get to and then I always plot backwards from that point and I think um writing things down was great for me it was a it was a really some people don't like to do that I would I would I would actually say you know more often than not I try not to be too hard and fast about things because I believe that you know, it, you wouldn't want to... So Some people, it just works different ways. And I would say, yeah, whatever you do, I think writing down is something I would say, make sure you just, just change your opinion on it. It's a great thing to do. It's a little contract with yourself. It keeps you focused. Keep it somewhere where you can see it all the time. And it was a great, man, that was a great tip I got from you. Always had something on the phone. Um, just, you know, whenever you're having a coffee by yourself, whatever you're doing, just somewhere to reference back and keep you focused. Like this is, I'm on a journey here. This is one of the steps in the journey. I just got to get to this point, then I'm on to the next step. And it'll all, it kind of was a snowball effect for me. Once you got that going, once you got that first step out of the way um, and you plotted the course it all seemed to come together for me all the time, you know, and um, yeah, it was challenges, it was, there was definitely challenges, you had challenges with belief when you get back, you know, trust in an injury, trust in a knee, trust in a... but I think, you know, what I would say is that I had a great support structure as well, important to note that, um, try and create that, if you don't feel like you have it, if you have people around you who maybe don't understand what you're doing, which is fine, some families don't understand that. You know the sport they never played or for or for whatever and they don't realize the commitment. Some friends don't try and find a, f- a few people that you can in, and that you say, you know, this person understands the journey. This person will help me get refocused. They understand what I'm trying to achieve here. So I'd always say try and create that, whether it be in the organisation whether it be family, whether it be a friend. Try and create that. Create. I I was I was really lucky. I had the support structure around me. Now I went seeking you and it. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, um. It was there for me. I had sports people around me, so it was great for, in, in that respect. And I will say I was very lucky, and that was something that I leaned on definitely to help. And your
0: father's experience must yeah. have been always very beneficial if you look along the way because he, he could relate to it. He could empathise with your journey, obviously, in Leinster, most importantly in Ireland. How valuable was your dad during that journey?
1: Yeah, very valuable. You know, I think, you know, throughout my career, he was a really valuable resource for me um, and a support. Um, empathy not always great at that end, but sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you need someone to just <laughs> tell you how it is, uh, r- regardless of how, of, of how you think about things yourself or how great you think you are. Sometimes you need someone to take you back down a peg. And look, he was—you uh, know—when things went well as well, he was, you know, probably probably rarely here. But he's always trying to get you to improve. And I love that mentality, that Kaizen mentality. Yeah. We always saw. I think he really lived by that, you know. Um, and he would always see. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of parallels with him and, 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 and a Joe Schmidt, actually, you know, he's constantly looking to improve all the time. Um, and they can be tough taskmasters, can be, uh, but they're great for you on the journey. I think you need a few of those people along the way to, to help guide you, to make sure that you're always trying to better yourself. Because there's always room to, to improve. I really believe that in everything that you do, that it's always something. There's always a small detail that you can do better. Um, because while you're trying to trace perfection, you probably never achieve that. And that's Okay. Um, and I think once you realise that you don't beat yourself too, uh, too too up too much about it, but what you do is you always you're always looking to improve, you're always trying to find some way to get better. So um, he was a great influence on me in that way, and he would have been the one initially before I met you who would have got me into the goal setting. And that, probably from a business context, I don't know whether he would have done that at his time um, playing rugby. It would have been probably you know a, a business kind of influence. Um, and it's funny the two are very linked. You'll know yourself you've made the move now into business, and, and obviously I'm trying to do the same thing myself. And and you like to think and I, and you know lots of business people who've been very successful. You get to meet these guys through sport because most people like sports and uh, guys and girls are really successful in business. You say, geez, why is this person interested in me? But he or she just, you know, it's funny, sports just combines all these things. It seems to be an interest for everyone. And they always say, all these people who I've met always see parallels with sports. They say, that is, you know, that focus, that energy, um, that get up and go, that competitiveness. They're all things you need to be successful in business. So I'm hoping to, you know, be able to, I suppose, utilize all these things. And I'm sure you're the same, man. I know you're a little bit further along the journey into in, into the business world than me, but um, I'm hoping that these things will be a springboard and help me get to, to where I want to get to in, that, in, in business as well.
0: And many of the key aspects of your performance as a rugby player, Luke, and the preparation for you as a rugby player, can you apply now in your role in AAB, obviously as a key performer in AAB. How many of those key lessons still apply?
1: Well, I think that you know, the, there's lots of things. You know, find, like we, you know, you always talk about finding an edge somewhere, and I'm always trying to find somewhere where I can impress someone or where I can, you know, make a new contact somewhere or somewhere where I can, you know, just broaden the, you know, I suppose, in in a way, kind of broaden the horizons a bit, but also broaden the the contact base in there. Um, showcase maybe what, you know, some some of the, what I feel maybe are, are, are things that I might be good at, so showcase them as much as I can, but also have a desire to work on the things that I need to work on and show the desire for those things and um and also deliver on that desire. I want to, you know, everyone wants to do things, but you have to deliver on them. So there are things that I'm trying to do all the time. I'm trying to improve um, and I'm trying to just, you know, I suppose show them that I'm, that I'm keen to work, that I want to get it, I want to be in there. I want to be in there every day early. I want to be, you know, in there, you know, mixing well with everyone. Um, trying to make the environment as, uh, you know the best place possible to work in, and get the best possible you know, results po- uh, there and I'm trying to you know, find a place where I can add value so that's something that I'm trying to do all the time in there. and that's something that I brought in from sport and you, you see that all the time in sport, you see new guys coming into a team or new girls coming into a team and you know, they're, they're sometimes you see it all the time. They're just trying a little bit too hard. It's probably this isn't you know, related to business, but you see it. This is what it is. They're trying to find a place to have Where can I stand out? This is, and that's probably probably trying to do that in a business context. Hopefully, I don't have too many bloopers, and that's 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 what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that 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 uh, first season where you're trying everything too hard. Um, uh, try, you know, just trying a little bit too hard. but that, That's actually interesting, Luke,
0: because one, one of the things, again, I admired about you as a player was, especially in your early days, you were obviously the youngest player at that stage in the squad, your ability to deal with pressure, your ability, your ability to step up in the big day, your ability to bring one of your best performances when it was most required for an Inster, for Ireland or for the Lions. How did
1: you learn to do that so early in your career, such a, at a young age? Yeah, it's funny, we probably have differing kind of opinions on that. I think I probably didn't deliver as often as I would have liked yeah. in the in the high-pressure environments. And I'd say I, I got way, way better at doing that towards the end of my career. And I probably didn't have enough... I didn't place enough emphasis on... That calmness. That was, I was probably a little too tight all the time. Now it worked out for me great. Sometimes I, I, you know, I figured out every single move my opposition guy had. I knew everything what was I knew what was coming at me. And I always, was, you know, delivered really well defensively. But off the back of that, the nerves at times. It was only I only really found myself in certain moments where I was delivering on what I felt was my potential. And they were usually times when I actually something just happened and I had to just deliver on something without thinking about it. Do you know those? They talk about that peak it's performance zone. Yeah. Um, and and I suppose I found myself in that place not often enough because I was probably worried, you know, thinking about things too much where you, you always want to have that. But I think when you're calmer and you're thinking about things, things flow better for you. And I think I, that. I, I probably figured that out a bit too late in my career that, you know, delivering on these things consistently probably takes a bit of calmness. And you probably, most players probably... I suppose for me, the, the frustration was that I probably only had, had five years, really, in my career, a 10-year career, that I was injured. And I probably, you know, I never really got a chance to play, you know, two or three seasons in a row, one interrupt, maybe a game. Or, you know, normally a lot of guys will have two or three games that are missing. I had massive periods where I had to relearn all my habits that I was... So I spent, you know, my first five games back in relearning all these good habits that become second nature to you. But I didn't get that. So I, I suppose off the back of that I got a good run towards the end of my career during a period there probably around 2013 and uh, I really felt like Geez, I'm really prone here I'm, I'm calm here I'm able to deliver on all the things I'm thinking clearly on the pitch all the time because I'm calm and I was only off the back of playing games and I felt that was the disappointing part for me is that I never really got that I would, I think I would have got that calmness earlier in my career had I not had all the injuries and I think I probably would have performed to my potential a bit more often especially in the big games and um, and i suppose that was something i never like i i suppose I, I delivered on lots of things, but i never really stood out in a lot of big games like like i, I suppose I, what the what culmination of something like that for me was the argentina game where i was really calm came on in a really pressurized environment there was we were losing by miles we needed to get back in the game um big pressure they were they were playing you know really hot and out in the wide channels they were doing really well so there was pressure coming on that environment. I really feel like that was a real moment where I was like, do you know what? And I know the game. we lost the game and that was a, that was obviously a disaster. But for me personally, I was like, do you know what? That was a real, I really feel like I figured, figured myself out as, as a rugby player. I feel like I can, I know what I'm good at. I feel like, you know, I can deliver on these things because I'm calm. I feel calm in the, in the big moments. There's 70,000 people roaring, all the pressure's on us. And I was able to deliver and I was like, the reason that was such a, you know, I suppose a seminal moment for me was that, that was, I felt like, you know what, I felt this for a few years, I just haven't got a chance in an Iron jersey to do that, I felt like this was coming, I felt like I'd figured it out, I just need a chance to stay injury free, um, and I, I probably the Scotland game was another opportunity as well for that, in the I think it was 20, 2015, Six Nations it was, um, I, I felt it was coming, I just hadn't got the opportunity, so that was a nice moment for me personally, uh, in terms of that, in terms of a mindset, I was like, you know what, i feel, I figured it out here, I feel like I've figured it out. I would have to ask you, look, how
0: did you become more calm? You've mentioned really, really clearly there about just how unique that is and how special that feels. But how did you make yourself more calm? How did you make yourself more instinctive? And how did you get into that, let's say, zone of optimal functioning?
1: You know, I use, my, I use the breathing exercise that we always use, Enda, you know. I feel like, you know, it's a really natural thing and, and it's a really, it's actually a really powerful thing. It's a funny, you know, it sounds really, you know, it might sound silly to some people who maybe haven't been exposed to it, but I would I'd advise anyone to do a bit of reading on it. It's amazing. If you can control that, that, that's controlling your heart rate, which in turn is controlling. Once you can you can slow that down, that slows everything else down. I, I found that was a great way for me to to be calm before I get to think clearly. Um, and I suppose I, I, placed, I placed emphasis on it. That was something that, like, I was saying, do you know what, it's actually important for me to be calm here. It helps me think clearly. It helps me deliver on what I want to deliver in the games. It helps me find places in the games because I'm not uptight. And, but, you know, at times you need that. You need to be uptight. You need to be, thinking. geez, there's, a, there's something going on here. I need to get a good message inside or whatever it is. But I actually I only realised later, like I said... That actually being calm in those moments actually helped me even when I needed to be you know tight for a bit of contact or whatever being calm actually helped me get in better positions for all those things I was technically way better because I was I was saying I was recognising opportunities more um, and it helped me deliver on technique a lot better it was an interesting part it was a, it was an interesting growth and I suppose to answer your question again I suppose we're coming back around to it or to come back around to it was I felt the breathing was good that was a really good exercise for me that was something that physically that I could do to help calm myself. But mentally, I thought that was it. I placed emphasis on it. I, I, I said, you know what? And, and you see it all the time, actually. Where you really see it in, in terms of where it comes out physically, you see a lot of it in sprinting, or if you're doing any plyometrics and things like. That. You always get your best score when you're rea- when you're relaxed. You produce the most power when you're relaxed. That was something. That was, it was such a weird thing. It's only just after clocking with me now, it' to be honest with you. But that was something that I re- I, re- I realized we were doing these jumps, so-, so I said, my best scores always come like I can be very consistent when I'm tired, when I'm really trying to jump hard but my best scores always come when I'm relaxed. I was like, which means I'm producing the most power when I'm relaxed. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That, that was something that we me. I'm only just remembering that now. That was something that, that I was like, that's interesting. And then, you know, they always hear people say, you know, stay relaxed when you're, when you're, when you're sprinting, you know, your upper body, don't be too too tense. Look at Usain Bolt. All these guys, yeah. ca- calm in the, in the cheeks. You see the cheeks almost flapping because they're, they're calm in the upper body and they're delivering on the power. Um, and you look at him, I thought he was a guy as well. You look at him, he says, he's always so calm. And he's able to deliver consistently on the big stage, um, and maybe they were things that maybe you know it took a while, but I kind of figured it out that way. I was like, you know what, that, I actually need to be good at that, and I need this is the, I can do the the breathing. That's something I can come back to. The bit of meditation was great for me. Day of the game, I always in the in the morning, I always tried to creep off somewhere, sit down somewhere on my own or be in the room on my own or whatever it is and when I was at home I used to do, you know, I used to have a weird little routine where I'd kneel up on a lot of things just calm myself, we, we kind of, <laughs> this would be hard to describe now and there, but uh, I, you know, a few cushions between, between the knees, I used to sit down and just nice, it's a lovely position, nice for your back and everything just to calm down, control the breathing, empty the mind for a little bit.
0: Really fascinated Luke by legacy and maybe it was being involved with some of the athletes at the London Olympics. I love that Ideal they had about the legacy after the London Olympics would have on young athletes or young performers for many generations to come. The legacy of the Leinster team that won that first hiding Cup in 2009 lives very strongly. The amount of talent coming through all the schools, the amount of talent currently on the Leinster squad, who looked up to the Luke Fitzgeralds and the Brian O'Driscolls and the Gordon Darcys and the Shane Horgan's and the Shane Jennings and the Easton mm-hmm. Nasiwas and the Luke, uh, let's say the Leo Collins. Mm. How proud are you of that legacy, Luke?
1: Yeah, I'm really proud to, proud to to have been a part of the journey there, you know? And I think, um, you know, the, the culture that was created there during that period, I think, um, you know, I, and I think... It's hard to put your finger exactly on one thing during that period, but I would say the people, like the people there. You have you're, you know, you have to you have to have an honourable mention to, to a Michael Cheka, you know, all the guys you mentioned there, Shane Jennings and Leo Cullen coming back. They were that was probably a crucial move. Those two guys were real leaders. They come from a really tough environment over in Leicester. You know, they were amongst World Cup winners over there. Your Martin Johnsons, what have you. Um, and then probably some of the new breed, like, you know, probably myself would have had a big impact there, I, I would feel, you know, without probably without probably people... know, You know, like, it's funny, everyone asked me, you know, about, you know, the mental side of things when I was doing it. But it was like, no one's ever said to me off the back of it, not a... If, yeah, it might be a bit of bitterness here. I hopefully it doesn't come across <laughs> that way. And, but you know what I mean? I was like, no one's ever said, geez, now you were kind of ahead of the curve there. Yeah. Um, but I would have felt like I definitely had an impact in that respect. Um, I think you know, with Jamie Heast, if you look at how professional he is, like, you know, guys at that they, they, I suppose the legacy that, that I, I feel most proud of is that we've created a culture in Leinster where guys can thrive, guys can be the best they want to be, guys are in an environment where all, you know the, the the environment now is trying to provide everything to help them get there, um, and I think loads of people, loads of, like in different ways. You're Brian O'Driscoll, you're Shane Horgan's, you're Dennis Dennis Hickey. For me, was a guy who you look at how how good he was atletically. I looked at him and I said, "Geez, he's a great athlete." Now look how strong he is. Look at the emphasis he placed in the gym. How good he was with his diet. loads of the guys. All these guys had small impacts on other people. And it's kind of a snowball effect. You just need a few of these guys to to start you on the journey. We had a few of those guys. And then we had a new crew coming in who I think helped that. And now we've got the next crop coming through that are going to help the young guys. You see, you know, Gary Ringrose for me looks like he's a real competitor. I love watching him. Um and he'll be a real leader for the, for the young guys coming through. I know he's still only a young guy himself, but through the middle of his career now, as long as he manages to stay injury-free, I think he's going to be a guy, a Josh Vander Flyer is a guy, a Dan Levy. All these guys, it's on them now. They've got to take up the mantle. They've got to get that little bit of success. They've got to dig a little bit deeper to try and find success. And I think that's what our generation did. We, we dug a little bit deep. The Keane Headeys of this world, your, your Sean O'Brien's, your Johnny Sexton's, these we 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 would have been kind of the pace setters here. Now it's on to these guys to take the man. That's what excites me when I watch a Leicester game. I love seeing these guys grow, and I want to see them get that little bit. Of, they're right on the edge. Last year they were right on the edge, and they didn't. You, sometimes you need one or two of those. You need a misstep here, or there to go. Do you know what? We're actually not that great. We need to get better again. Um, it's to funny, be the best. It's funny
0: you mentioned Luke pace setters mm. because when you were talking about all those key characters in the Leinster journey, I was thinking about the cultural architects. And and Mm. for me, and I suppose my eyes were slightly different because I was coming from a Gaelic Games background, of course, coming from an understanding of psychology Mm. and in particular, the mental toughness side of sport, but also leadership and culture. Mm. But I would have saw you as one of the cultural architects. I would have saw Shane Jennings as one of the cultural architects. Yeah. People who were shaping the culture every day, setting the pace differently, whether it was the quality of their extras. I can think about Issa Nassiba yeah. and the quality of his practice after the session. I think the phrase we actually used in answer at that stage was post-practice worker bees. And mm. remember the quality of your practice after the session was over
1: yeah. as an indicator as to your ambition. Yeah, I mean, look, there was a really great environment for that. People always wanted to get better. We had that Kaizen mentality, if you like, you know, and everyone's always trying to constantly work on a small part of the game to get better. I remember we had a brilliant group. It was funny, we had a, we had a brilliant group with Kurt McQuilkin, who always used to do before, uh, the Friday before the games, we used to always have this brilliant session with Kurt. We might do one during the week with him as well. And all those guys ended up being brilliant defenders. And it was great, those little things made a big difference to the team. We'd you know, Shane Jennings there every week, it was myself there every week, it was Jamie Heesup there every week, and um, there was Fred McFadden was a regular there, Drico used to go there. All guys, you say, Do you know, like Dars used to always be there as well? I must I have, to, have to mention my, my pal Darce. Um and I think like all those guys, we got we all ended up being really good defenders off the back of that, and I think that really don't Things small things like that. Like it's that snowballing effect. We made this one step that we're going to do this every week. We all deliver. We all showed up every week for this thing. And off the back of like, that, we were really hard to beat straight away. And that's that's where we got that little bit of success. We were able to grind teams down. They couldn't break us down. I remember over at Harlequins was the biggest example of that. 6-5 um, over in their place. They just couldn't break us down. Two penalties uh, was all the, they. I'm sorry, they got one try when we had someone off the pitch. But like it was those kind of things. We were just a grind. We were, we grounded out. We found ways to get an edge on teams. We found little things t- to do every day to create a culture where we were really really competitive um, and then we had that belief from doing the extra work I think which is what extra work really gives you I think is that bit of belief in yourself in the moments where you have to dig in because you have this embedded well it might be embedded technique it might be embedded a bit of belief in yourself because you said, you know what or maybe it's that embedded bit of resilience where you're saying Do you know what I've worked too hard to give this up now. There's no way I'm giving it. There's no way I'm giving that guy in. She feels like, he, I, mean, he, I think you always see in combat sports. You see guys who work really hard. you say He's digging in here now because he just he's done tw-, you know whatever it is twelve week a twelve week camp or whatever it is. He's just not going to give up. Um, he's going to make him tap out or he's going to make him. He's going to make the referee stop it. So you got to just grind it out. And I think we had that mentality in um, in that Leinster team. We were doing all this extra work. We we're saying there's no way we're going to let these these lads. No way they haven't done the extra work. <laughs> I, I that's what. I thought. I knew I was out there going, Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm letting that guy beat me. I've, after putting in all this extra work, I'm knackered. I'm knackered doing it, but I know he's not doing it. So we had that mentality there, and I think. You know, guys today, you know, the leaders, you know, you got Jamie Hesop's a guy for that. He's do like even I mean he's found edges everywhere. Like he's just constantly looking for them. even when he's sleeping during preseason, he's sleeping in at altitude or whatever he's doing. Uh I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> poor missus. But um you know, you know, like uh, Jamie, I think, is a guy like oh, I he's a guy I really am. Shane Jennings. But we that, had yeah. guys well who are willing to, to to say tough things to the group. Yes. We had like a Shane Jennings was a guy who was saying, lads. Not good enough, young guys. Myself, you know, I would have been piping up a little bit. They couldn't shut me up then, as you sure you found out in the podcast. But guys like Owen O'Malley, guys like Ferg McFadden, these guys are like Ferg McFadden. Watch him do a fitness session. You tell. Then you see, oh, geez, yeah, Leinster are going to be pushover. Watch Ferg McFadden do a fitness session. Um, watch Keane Healy do a squat or do that extra one one rep squat, whatever it is. All these guys creating the culture. Watch Sean O'Brien e. poking the head off someone on a Thursday before a session, intriguing. thinking you're going to have an easy time yeah. getting his position or or, or or getting over, you know, beating him off uh, or, or, or off a ball on the ground. Not going to happen. That 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 was what we created there. And I think it's the small things you do every day that that help. That and I think that Leinster team was great at that.
0: And, Luke, if we finish off where we started, if I was to ask you that you were going back to the 17-year-old boy from Black Rock College and you were starting off again in your rugby career with all that talent and all that athleticism and all that ambition and all that drive, yes, of course, the skills as
1: well, what would you do differently, Luke? Or would you do anything differently? Oh, yeah, it's such a tough question, yeah. I mean, do you know what I would do? I definitely would, like, I mean... Look, and I was probably a product of the times as well like I worked really hard at my gym. I love the gym still love the gym um but we did I did a lot of things wrong, and it really affected me. you know they really they caused injuries here and there for me and that was something I wish look look and you can be a victim of just but that was the thinking at the time we were cutting like we were cutting edge i think it 's got more cutting edge I think there's been more of an emphasis placed on it um you know, we were still figuring it out when I got in there. It sounds like, I, you know, I feel like an old fogey saying it, but they were still figuring things out in Lancer at the time. And now they're just like unbelievably cutting edge with guys like Stevie Smith and obviously Kev McLaughlin's in now in Kitman Labs. Um, and they are cutting edge worldwide in, in, in technology, and in sports technology. Um, but they were only figuring that stuff out then. And then, you know, the strength and conditioning side, it took ages for me to figure out the, re- you know, and I wish I'd probably, I suppose I'd met a few people, earlier in the career, but look, it wasn't there for me, the facilities weren't there, everything I, I did, I did to the best of my, with the best knowledge at the time, now, subsequently I found out, you know, that's probably not the right way to do that, you probably shouldn't be doing that, et cetera, et cetera. but I'm not sure I would have changed that, I wanted to be the best at it, I worked really hard, I wouldn't change that mentality anyway, um, just wish I could have worked smarter, in terms of the learnings, you always feel like, Towards the end of career, you wish you could have had that mentality going. On. But that's not the case. That's the journey a sportsman has to go on. Now, would I have said, you know what, I would love to have placed more emphasis on being calm and all the benefits that would have come with delivering, you know, my potential off the back of being calm. I probably would have. I was probably very uptight early in my career. Really wanted wanted these things so badly. But you can want them badly and still be calm and still deliver on those things. And I think um it was interesting. It took you know, it, it, like the, I think of so many things that helped me get to that point. I remember talking to my my dad about. Was he used to box in college? And I remember him talking about, you know, a guy. He was up. You know, he would have been an amateur boxer. But I remember him talking about boxing a really, really good guy. Um, a guy who used to coach him and he clipped him with a dig. And this guy was a world class boxer. Now I think he might have been in the Olympics, and he's and he was a middleweight. My dad would have been a heavyweight. And um, said so he he was you know he clipped him which you know a heavyweight clip in a clipping a middleweight or a, a lightweight but you know, they'd go flying. So he said, "Geez, this is my opportunity. You know, is there any sparring? This is my opportunity to knock out a, you know, a, you know a silver a silver medal Olympic Olympian or whatever it was at the time." And he said he was you know dying for. It. He could see it. your man was you know really calm. You know, w- took the dig, opened the ropes, watching everything coming in. My old man said, "Geez, I'm gonna be a hero here coming in with a massive dig." Your man just slipped it because he was nice and calm. Hit him on the way, by in the chest. He flailed over the over the, <laughs> the the ropes, and he said, "You know, he was he was calm. He would have delivered the shot. One more it would have been over if it was if the shoe was on the other foot." Uh, but those things, I, I, it took me all these little small things. I remember just, you have to be calm to deliver in the big moments. Um, and you look at like a Johnny Wilkinson, all these guys. It took me too long to figure that out, and that was something that I wish I'd, if I was younger, if I was any young kid coming through, I'd say, yeah you have to want it you have to want to be involved in the game all the time you have to you know you have to f- work really hard and that can make you a little bit towards the game you have to be calm in the game to deliver in the big moments to deliver good messages to your teammates to deliver on your talent to deliver on your power whatever it is and to help you think clearly which is the most important part um, and any young kid i always say that's what you, you need you need to be calm to deliver on those things make sure you place an emphasis on it and that's what i would say to myself
0: Luke Fitzgerald what a way to finish you've given an inspiration to me and hopefully to our listeners about the essence of the performance zone it's been a pleasure thank you very much Luke
1: thanks for having me on and I hope you have me on again have a talk I'll have more to talk about hopefully in the next one cheers lads thank you very much Luke